Hello, I'm Martin. I'm a student minister at our church, and I'll be bringing us the message from the Word today. Uh, let's ask God for his help to understand and to apply to our lives. Father, we do thank you so much for your Word. We thank you so much for this Word uh, that is good for us, this Word that helps us to understand you uh, and ourselves and your creation and what it means to live as your people. We pray that you'd give us wisdom today to understand it, Give us the, the will to apply to our lives. In your son's name, amen. You may have heard of Christians being persecuted in China. They're persecuted because the communist government want to be in control. They want all religions to fall in line with their communist beliefs. But Christianity isn't about worshipping the government. It's about worshipping God. And so churches who teach the true gospel are persecuted. Many Chinese pastors feel incredibly persecuted. They risk losing everything. They might lose their health, their family, their future. They might even lose their lives. And so some of these Chinese pastors, they look out at all this persecution and they wonder, where is God? God, why don't you intervene? In Sydney, thankfully, we don't have that level of persecution. Instead of fearing the government, sometimes we just complain about the government instead. But despite all our complaints, we, we have a pretty good here. I'm thankful to live here in Sydney. And yet, there's sometimes a lot of hardship that makes us wonder what God is doing. At a previous church I was at, there was a boy with a brain tumour. He was in high school, and this tumour was life-threatening. And so our church, we prayed and prayed, but the tumour kept growing. We kept praying. Eventually, the boy passed away. Where was God? Why didn't he intervene? Of course, we wonder about where God is in other forms of suffering as well physical, mental health, broken families, infertility, so much more, so much more causes us to wonder, where is God? Why doesn't he intervene? And so that's why today's psalm is so helpful. In today's psalm, the writer grapples with the same questions. He too is wondering where God is. He too is wondering why God doesn't intervene. Today we're looking at Psalm 74, and we're going to look at this passage in three sections, pain, perspective, and prayer. Pain, perspective, and prayer. And then we'll think about what that means for us as we live today. This psalm is written by Asaph. This Asaph is probably one of the temple musicians who would help the Jews worship God. But what's interesting about this particular psalm is its context. Now, this psalm talks about the burning of God's sanctuary. So it's probably written after the Babylonians have come. These Babylonians, these enemies, they've come, they've destroyed the temple, they've taken the Jews away to exile. And so the Jews are wondering, has God rejected us forever? Why is this happening to us? Out of that pain, they call to God to remember them, to restore them from this destruction that the Babylonians have brought to them and their temple. Let's read verses 1 to 3. Verses 1 to 3. O oh God, 
Why have you rejected us forever? Why does your anger smolder against the sheep of your pasture? Remember the nation you purchased long ago, the people of your inheritance whom you redeemed, Mount Zion where you dwelt. Turn your steps toward these everlasting ruins, all this destruction the enemy has brought on the sanctuary. Now you may have noticed that Asaph, this psalmist, he's concerned about something in particular. He's concerned about the destruction of the temple. Why does he care so much about the temple? Now, for many of us here, a building's just a building. This building here, it's pretty nice. We paid a lot for it. But in some sense, it's just a building. But for the Jews, the temple was the place to worship. We might be able to worship in other places at home. Our brothers and sisters are at Stanwall Tops at the moment, worshiping God there. But for the Jews, the temple was the place to worship. The temple was their connection to God. And so when the Babylonians came, they destroyed this temple, this connection to God. They destroyed it with the utmost disrespect. They came in with a roar. They cut down everything like people chopping down trees. They smashed the temple's paneling. They burnt the place down. They destroyed it completely. It's in verses 4 to 8. Let's look together at verses 4 to 8. Your foes roared in the place where you met with us. They set up the standards as signs that behaved like men wielding axes to cut through a thicket of trees. They smashed all the carved paneling with their axes and hatchets. They burned your sanctuary to the ground. They defiled the dwelling place of your name. They said in the hearts, we will crush them completely. They burned every place where God was worshipped in the land. These enemies have completely destroyed the temple. And for the Jews, that was terrible. The temple was their connection to God. And so the, the destruction of this temple feels like God has abandoned them. Has God abandoned them? It seems like it. It seems like God is silent. They haven't heard anything from God. No words, no prophets, no signs. It's a silence that feels like it could go on forever. And in this silence, what they experience is just persecution from their enemies, life in Babylonian exile. So Asaph, he cries out to God. He questions God about his inactivity. He commands God to intervene. He wants the hand of God to destroy these enemies. I'll read verses 9 to 11 for us. From verse 9. We are given no signs from God. No prophets are left. And none of us knows how long this will be. How long will the enemy mock you, God? Will the foe revile your name forever? Why do you hold back your hand, your right hand? Take it from the folds of your garment and destroy them. And then, somewhat abruptly, Asaph brings in the turning point in the psalm. There's a whole shift in his perspective. It's a shift where he remember who God is. God is his king. God is the king who brings salvation. God is his savior. And Asaph remembers this. Asaph introduces this big shift in perspective with a great but at the start of verse 12. Let's read verse 12. 
But God is my king from long ago. He brings salvation on the earth. Asaph remembers his great God. He remembers the great God who opened the sea. You might remember in the Exodus how God miraculously parted the sea to let his people go through. But that's not all. God is great, so much greater than the monsters in the sea and the Leviathan. We don't know exactly what these creatures are, but they're mysterious. They're powerful. And yet God is so much greater than these monsters. And Asaph raves on and on about how great God is. God is sovereign over nature. He's king over day and night. He sets the limit on the earth and the seasons. What's the point of all this poetry? God is the great God. He's powerful. He's greater than everything else. And Asaph remembers this. Verses 13 to 17. It was you who split open the sea by your power. You broke the heads of the, of the monster in the waters. It was you who crushed the heads of the Leviathan and gave it as food to the creatures of the desert. It was you who opened up the springs and streams. You, drived, you dried up the ever-flowing rivers. The day is yours and yours also the night. You established them sun and moon. It was you who set all the boundaries of the earth. You made both summer and winter. Asaph remembers that God is his savior and that God is powerful. And as he remembers who God is, he prays to God to intervene. He prays to God to intervene. Now, this prayer of intervention might seem somewhat long, but it's actually just two things. Two things. One is to remember, and two, to not let this justice continue. To remember and to not let this just, sorry, this injustice continue. Asaph prays to God to remember. God, remember how the enemy has mocked you. And then he calls on God to not let the injustice continue. This injustice is like a dove being given to wild animals, an innocent animal being torn apart by wild beasts. Asaph calls on God to remember and not to let the injustice continue. And he prays this same thing a second time. Remember the covenant. Don't let the oppressed retreat in disgrace. It's the same pattern again. Pattern happens a third time. Remember how the fools mock you all day long. Do not ignore the clamor of your adversaries. Same pattern again. It's, this pattern, it's so important to Asaph, he just repeats it three times. God, remember. God, don't let this injustice continue. Let's read the prayer in verses 18 to 23. From verse 18. Remember how the enemy has mocked you, Lord, how the foolish people have reviled your name. Do not hand over the life of your dove to wild beasts. Do not forget the, inj- the lives of your afflicted people forever. Have regard for your covenant, because haunts of violence fill the dark places of the land. Do not let the oppressed retreat in disgrace. May the poor and needy praise your name. Rise up, O God, and defend your cause. Remember how fools mock you all day long. Do not ignore the clamor of your adversaries, the uproar of your enemies, which rises continually. And that's where the psalm ends. Asaph praying to God to intervene.
It's a gripping psalm. Asaph is in great pain because the temple is destroyed. And he shifts his perspective to remember who God is. And so he prays. Will God remember his people? Will he intervene? I wonder if you've asked the same questions for yourself as well. Have you ever wondered, where is God? Uh, I have a couple of friends who are married there at another church, and they've been trying to have a baby. They really want a baby. So they've been trying and praying to God as well and trying. They really want to have a baby, but the years have passed. They frequently prayed, but there's no pregnancy. They found that really hard. Where is God in all this? Another friend at another church, she struggles with migraines. She's had migraines for most of her life, and those migraines have made her life quite difficult. Works hard. She sometimes struggles to fall asleep. Um, Her social life has been impacted because of her migraines too. So she's she's prayed for God to take them away. Her friends and family have prayed to God on her behalf too. But she still has these migraines. Where is God in all this? Perhaps you've experienced things that make you question where God is. I have, and I'm sure many others here have too. So just like Asaph, we ask God to intervene. God, do something. And sometimes we're met with silence. Just like Asaph, it seems like God hasn't answered our prayers. Like God hasn't even heard them. Asaph felt like God had abandoned him. Sometimes it feels like God has abandoned us too. Well, there's, there's a great blessing from today's psalm. And the great blessing is that we're not left with just the first half of the psalm. If he did, no, we'd have this picture of despair. But the good thing about this psalm is we have this second half. Asaph has given us verses 12 onwards so that we'd have the right perspective, so that we'd have hope, the hope found in the second half of the psalm. See, in our pain, we're reminded to remember who our great God really is. That's the first point for us today. Remember who our great God is. See, in our pain, sometimes we go in this sort of tunnel vision We focus only on our pain. Sometimes we even forget God. Or when we think about God, he's only there to ease our pain. But Asaph has given us this second half of the psalm to help us to shift our perspective, to to get the right perspective, so that we'd know God as he really is. And instead of looking only inwardly to our pain, we look upward to God. Asaph has reminded us two things about God. One is God is Savior. We saw that in verse 12. And two, God is powerful, verses 13 to 17. God is Savior and God is powerful. Now, I think we often refer to God being our Savior in terms of Him saving us from our sin. That's true. He sent Jesus to save us from our sin. Jesus lived the perfect life in obedience And he died on the cross to save us from our sins. But God is also our saviour in that he will save us from all injustice and suffering. 
God has promised a time when there will be no more injustice, no more suffering. Last week, we learned about how when Jesus returns, he will restore the whole world. Everything will be made right. Jesus will bring ultimate justice. And so there will be no more injustice, no more suffering. He will restore his people to glorious life forever. And Revelation 21 reminds us that God will dwell with us forever. He will wipe every tear from our eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning, crying, or pain. God is our Savior. God is our Savior for our sin. But not only for our sin, he saves us from suffering and injustice. And so that helps us to persevere in our suffering right now. It helps us to regain perspective, to know that our suffering is temporary, and to know this hope for the future, a certain hope of a glorious future, a future of no more suffering, but only joy with God and his people. Asaph in this psalm also reminds us that God is powerful. God created the whole universe. Everything is under God's mighty hand. So if God has promised to care for us and to save us, we can be confident, we can be certain that he will do it. So what are we supposed to do when we're suffering? What are we supposed to do when we wonder what God is doing? We're to remember our great God. To remember that he is our savior, that he is powerful. It helps us to not only focus on our own pain, but to know God, to look upward to God. I shared about my friends who are struggling with infertility, and they are a great reminder to me in this. Their infertility has been a great struggle for them. But they keep looking to God. They remember that God is their savior, that God is powerful. So even though they don't know why this is happening, they continue to trust him. They believe God when, the, when he tells him in his word, oh sorry, when he tells them in his word, that he does work all things for the good of those who love him. They trust that God will one day make all things right. And in that trust, they continue to pray. We're now at our second point, our second and final point. We should keep praying. It's like what we learned last week with the parable of the persistent widow. We learned how God is just and he cares about his people. He'll bring justice. Asaph showed us the same thing in today's psalm. God is our savior. He is powerful. So what did Asaph do? He kept praying. And I think that's a good encouragement for us to keep praying too. If we trust in Jesus, God is our savior too. He cares for us. And he's powerful. He's working for our good. That's important for us to remember, especially when we're suffering. It reminds us to keep trusting in God, to keep praying to him. I was going through a rough time earlier this year, and when I go through difficult times, sometimes I'm tempted to just put God to the side. I realized that I was going back into a, this tunnel vision mode. And so I told myself that each morning and night, I'd spend some time thanking God. I'd thank God for who he is. I thank God for the many blessings he's given to me. 
for church, for friends and family, for Bible college, so much more. And for me, that was a helpful reminder about who God was, and it helped me to keep praying. Perhaps that sort of thing could be helpful for you, to regularly spend time thanking God, not just asking for asking things of Him in prayer, but to spend time thanking God. It's a helpful habit for both remembering who God is and to keep praying. Now, for some of us here, perhaps you might feel too broken and overwhelmed to even think about praying. And if, if that's you, I just want to say thanks for coming to church today. Time in God's Word and time with our brothers and sisters reminds us who God is. And sometimes when we are too broken and overwhelmed, we have the blessing of our brothers and sisters in Christ who can pray for us as well. So if, if that's you, I just want to say, I and many others here would be willing to listen and pray. We'd be happy to chat after the service. Being part of a church family means we love and care for one another. But as we come back to what we've learned today in our psalm, we're encouraged to remember who God is and to keep praying. It's comforting knowing that our God, our creator God, who is saviour and powerful, how God hears our prayers. I started today by talking about some Chinese pastors. They're experiencing this great persecution from the Chinese government. Their very lives are at stake, and sometimes they wonder, where is God? One article by Open Doors uh, interviewed some of these pastors, and here's what one pastor wrote. In our case, we need to understand that God is sovereign. If we find ourselves asking, where is God? The answer is simple. He is on his throne. We are not in control, but God is. He can bring hope, grace, peace, and love to any circumstance and work through trouble to bring himself glory. We simply have to choose to follow and trust him to do so. So let us remember who God is and let us continue in prayer. I'll lead us in prayer right now. Father, we recognize that, um, yeah, there are so many times when we experience suffering and injustice and we wonder what's happening. We wonder what you're doing in our lives. But we thank you so much for the reminder in today's psalm about who you are. You are the God who is our savior. You are the God who is powerful. Thank you for the reminder in today's psalm to keep praying. So we pray that in our difficult times, you'd help us to remember you. We pray you'd help us to keep praying. Help us to do these things. In Jesus' name, amen.